quick testimony with you before I jump into my sermon this morning. Some of you might remember that I was uh, preaching here two weeks ago, and uh, at the end of that message, I gave a prophetic word about uh, people that feel like their voice had been stolen. And uh, a woman came up to me right before the first service, and she said, I was here that day, and I've been going through some stuff the last year, and emotionally feel like I'd kind of lost my voice. She said, I came forward for prayer, received the Holy Spirit, and began speaking in tongues. Amen, amen. And then I chatted with one of our ministers here, Dave McKinney, to share, because I'm like, we were jumping in the lobby. Because friends, like, when that, that outpouring of the Holy Spirit comes and everything changes, it's exciting. And so I was chatting with Dave McKinney and he's like, oh, Ruthie, we've been hearing testimonies for the last two weeks of people being filled with the Holy Spirit, breaking out in tongues. And I'm like, come on, church. Like, this is just the beginning. Like, God is doing something. And here's the thing. We, it's not about the gifts of the Spirit, right? It's about intimacy with Jesus. But the reality is, He is a giver of good gifts. So when we encounter this intimacy with Jesus, the natural thing is to then be like, and Jesus, I want it all. I want all the gifts you have for me. Fill me with the Spirit. And when we stood here today and we said, Spirit, come down. What are we even talking about? Moments like this, where we're like, oh, Jesus, come, send your Spirit, fill me. And I believe that God is releasing the gifts in our community. And we just wanna say yes and amen to all of that. And I wanna encourage you to go after the things of the Spirit, even if it's uncomfortable for you to lean into and say, Jesus, is there something for me here? Because it may not be the gift of tongues today. It might be. It might be God wants to touch you emotionally, physically. He wants to give you a revelation. The reality is Jesus is here for every one of us and none of us are left out. Amen? Amen. All right. I love second service because guys, I've already preached once. So I'm like so fired up. This is me. <laughs> restrained, okay? <laughs> I've already seen God move, so I'm like ready for it. All right, we are in Mark 7 this morning. If you have a Bible, feel free to go ahead and move there. It's gonna be on the screen. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There, some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. And after, they took him aside, after he took him aside away from the crowd, Jesus put his finger into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Epatha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Let's go ahead and pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here with us this morning. We thank you that you're at work in our community and at work in our hearts. Lord Jesus, some of us are coming in today with some obstacles. We're facing some things that we don't know how we can get past them. We don't know how we can get over them. We've got some closed doors slamming in our face. We're not sure how to move through them. We have some things that we've been waiting on that we haven't seen yet. Lord, we might be feeling a little hopeless in some places in our life this morning. And I just wanna ask you that you'd come meet us there. 
that we leave this morning having received from you, having seen you and heard you. Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've been going through the book of Mark and we've been watching Jesus. He's been healing and delivering and setting people free all through the gospel of Mark. He's been taking the marginalized and those on the fringes, on the edges, the the people that feel like maybe they don't belong and he's been pulling them up front and center, treating them with dignity and value. And now here we are, chapter seven, Jesus is back in the Decapolis area. If you know your book of Mark, you know that he was here in chapter five. And we have that power encounter where Jesus meets with this man known as Legion cast the demons out of him and he's set free. The problem is the people at that time are afraid and unsettled and maybe even offended. And they're like, Jesus, you can go away. Two chapters later, Jesus is back with the same mission and the same passion to set captives free. This time, the people bring someone to him. I don't know what changed. Maybe the man formerly known as Legion, maybe he's been out spreading the word, living a different life, and people are suddenly like, whoa, who is this Jesus? Maybe we do want some of that. We don't know, but they bring a man to Jesus, and our whole passage centers around this man. He's deaf, and he struggles to speak. We know that because of that, at this time, culturally, this man would have been on the edges of society. He would have been alienated, isolated, most likely mistreated. But see how Jesus treats this man. First of all, it says after he took him aside, away from the crowd. He takes him away from the group of people because Jesus is not looking for a show. He's not looking to self-promote. He's not looking to hype up the crowd. That's not his priority in this moment. I mean, he could have taken the opportunity. He could have said, everyone gather around, I'm about to do something awesome. But that wasn't his priority. Cares for this man who wants to offer dignity and value. It's Jesus being Jesus. You see, this this man, his whole life, he would have been excluded and on the outside, but Jesus wants to be with him. He pulls him front and center for all the right reasons. It's possible that for this man, this was the first time in his life he'd ever been anyone's priority. See, that's what Jesus does. Pulls us right towards him. Maybe you're here this morning, you don't feel like anyone's priority. Maybe you feel like you're on the outside, the edges. Maybe you feel like you don't belong. Maybe even someone told you that you don't belong because something about you and you feel like an outsider, and you feel like people are judging you, and you feel like, I don't know if Jesus would ever wanna spend time with me. I don't know if he even really loves me because of fill in the blank. Well, I'm here to remind you this morning that Jesus loves you, and I'm sorry if nobody ever told you that. I'm sorry if you've gone through life, and all you've seen is an example of a harsh and judgmental God, because that's not what we read in Scripture. Jesus loves you. Jesus wants to be with you. Rich Velodis, he's a pastor in Brooklyn. He says, there is never a moment when God isn't moving toward the world in love. Never a moment. I mean, sometimes I think unconsciously we imagine that God has spurts of love. Maybe he wakes up one morning in a good mood and he's like, oh, I just love everyone. You know, if I ever had those days where you just love the world, 
And then you wake up one day and you hate the world. You know, it's like everything's against me. Like some of us think God's like that. Well, there's some days where he's happy with me. There's some days he really loves me and he's for me. And other days he's just waiting off in the distance, hoping I just figure out my life. But the reality is that he is always moving towards us in love. And this is what we see here with this man, with Jesus. And then he does this strange thing, right? Jesus enters into this man's world. It says, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. This is entirely gross <laughs> to us, right? I mean, especially in a COVID world, we're like, oh my goodness, six feet, please, Jesus. Like, you know, but no. Like Jesus goes right up to this man and he touches him and he literally put his fingers in his ears and there's spit. And here's the thing, though we find this gross and upsetting, many theologians agree that for this man, it was actually a form of sign language. For this man, Jesus was actually meeting him in his world. You see, what would be the point of walking up to the man and speaking to him, he couldn't hear him? It would have been just another form of exclusion. It would have isolated him. You see, Jesus knows exactly what's going on. And so in this hands-on style of preaching, he meets the man exactly where he is. I mean, how many times has this man been in a crowd, in a situation where someone's look, looking at him, doesn't know that he's deaf and speaking and, and he's just like, I, I got nothing, like, I, I can't. And he's just alienated and alone. You see, Jesus could have come in and acted all superior and flashy and been spouting off all these words, but he knew the limitations of this man. He knew how to enter into his world. You see, when we reframe it that way, we realize that the weird finger thing is actually an act of kindness and awareness and presence. And likewise, church, Jesus knows our limitations too. He knows our struggles. He knows the things that are hard for us, the, the things that get in the way and he comes right in to those moments and meets us there. He doesn't stand over here and say, well, I'm over here doing it this way, and when you figure it out, then maybe you can come find me. But actually, he says, I see where you are. I know your needs, I know your struggles, I know the things that have happened to you. I'm gonna come find you. I'm gonna enter into your world because I love you. Then it says, he looked up to heaven. Jesus looks up to heaven. Throughout the gospels, we see Jesus frequently looking to heaven, turning his attention to the Father. When he prays over the five loaves and the two fish, he looks to heaven. When he calls Lazarus to rise up from the dead and come out of the grave, he looks to heaven. In John 17, when he prays over his disciples, he looks to heaven. He's, Jesus is committed to looking to his Father. He's modeling to us this kind of dependency and access. And then it says, and with a deep sigh. I mean, what is going on here? Jesus is in the middle of healing this guy, and then he's like, what, is he bored? Is he annoyed? Is he like, here we go again, another person that needs healing, another crowd, it's gosh, so exhausting. That is not what is going on here. But you know what, sometimes church, that is what we think is going on with Jesus and us. Oh my gosh, they're praying that prayer again. They're asking me for healing one more time. Let's move on, people. But that is not the Jesus that we find in scripture. 
You see, what's going on here, this word, this Greek word here for sigh or groan, it can literally be translated as lament. It's a word connected to compassion. It's the same word we find in Romans 8 where Paul writes about the Spirit groaning on our behalf as he intercedes for us. You see, Jesus is embodying a kind of compassion and lament on behalf of this guy. He's not annoyed. He's not frustrated. He's feeling compassion towards him. He's looking at the man standing in front of him, aware of his entire life and all that he's been through and all that he's faced, and he's deeply moved. He's connected He's connected to the brokenness of the world and the ways that he knows it should be. So after looking to his father and embodying this compassion and lament, Jesus speaks. And he says two words, be opened. Mark records them in the Aramaic, which is Jesus's native language. And these specific words translate to be opened thoroughly. It's not partial and it's not slight. It's a literal like opening up, nothing can hinder, nothing can block, and this man is immediately healed. His ears open, he can speak, everything's good. I mean, this is a beautiful standalone story of Jesus being Jesus. But here's the thing, there's so much more going on in this passage. I grew up in the church, spent years reading the Gospels and the story of Jesus. And I have to admit that up until the last few years, I just thought they were stories, you know, kind of shoved together to get us from Jesus' birth to his death and resurrection. They just told us about Jesus and how cool he is and what his disciples did. But it's only in recent years that I've realized, oh, there's so much going on here so much more. And if you remember previously when I've spoken in, about from the book of Mark, you'll know that I'm a Mark fangirl. Like I'm, I'm passionate about Mark. I, I get excited because Mark gets me. He moves so quickly through his stories. I'm like, dude, I get it. Get to the point. This is amazing. Like his whole book is like an action movie. It just keeps going. And I like that. But what I also like about Mark is there is some threads, there is depth to his stories that if we don't pause and study, we will miss. Here's one thing that I want you to know. This story that we read this morning is one of four that happened almost consecutively. In chapter eight, Jesus heals the blind man at Bethsaida. Chapter nine, Jesus heals a demon-possessed boy who has a deaf and mute spirit. Chapter 10, Jesus heals blind Bartimaeus. Are you noticing a theme? Mark has gathered these stories, all of healings related to sight and hearing. See, he's using these stories, yes, to tell us about the healings that Jesus has done, but also to draw our attention to a theme. And it's a theme that Jesus actually speaks to quite a bit in the Gospels, and it's the theme of spiritual blindness and spiritual deafness. Jesus often speaks to Israel and the Pharisees about this, notably not the Gentiles. But in this portion of Mark, Jesus is also addressing his disciples frequently around this issue. You see, they're hanging out with the Messiah. They're hanging out with the one that they have been waiting on for so long. I mean, the game changer, everything. Everything changes with Jesus. They're hanging out with him. They're listening to him teach. They're watching his miracles and they don't get it. They don't know who they're with. 
They're like with him, but they can't see him and they can't understand him. They don't know who's in their midst. Chapter seven, earlier on, Jesus has shared a parable and the disciples are like, what do you mean? What is this about? And Jesus literally responds with, are you so dull, don't you see? He's like, come on, it's like right in front of you. Later in Mark eight, the disciples are in a boat with Jesus. Jesus has already fed the 5,000 at this point. Like he multiplies bread like nothing. And they are arguing about the fact that they don't have enough bread. And Jesus says to them, do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? Do you still not understand? You see, the disciples are blind and deaf to the things of the kingdom of God. See, Mark is drawing our attention to this. Notice how clever he is. I'm gonna put these stories together, but I want you to see something here, reader. And this whole story hangs on two words, be opened. This is the linchpin. This is his main point. This is his punch you in the face. Don't miss this moment. Be opened. And he highlights it by quoting it in the Aramaic. He's like, something's going on here. I want you to pause and I want you to look because there's something deeper. There's something more being opened. Yes, the man's ears and mouth are being opened. But Jesus is opening up so much more. A Mark Smart, he uses a word in this passage to describe the kind of speech challenge this man has that's only found in one other place in scripture. And so basically, he wants you to see that word and say, oh, that's a word from over here. These scriptures are connected. There's something going on here. And so that word is found in Isaiah 35. And we're gonna go there in just a second because this completes the story that Mark is telling. Isaiah 35 is in the Old Testament. It's one of the prophets. It's actually about the joyful return of the Jews out of exile. It's a historical word, but it's also a foreshadowing of the Messiah who's gonna come. Hang with me here, church. Isaiah 35. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue, there's the word, shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow and a highway will be there and it will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it, wicked fools will not go about on it, no lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing, everlasting joy will crown their heads, gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. It's a lot of strange imagery. 
what Isaiah is saying to us is when the Messiah comes, everything cracks open. Even the flowers burst into bloom. The wilderness that is dry and barren, water springs up, life comes forth. The blind see, the deaf hear, the mute tongue just begins to shout and sing. You see, what Isaiah is saying is, when the Messiah comes, he'll be the way maker. He'll be the one that will restore and open up access and connection. He's gonna make all those dead barren places spring to life. He's gonna speak to those places that feel hopeless. He's gonna bring refreshment. And just in case you're at the back of the crowd and you didn't hear it, Mark then quotes again in his chapter seven, he says, he even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. He's quoting from Isaiah 35 again. He's saying, this moment right here, this guy that's healing this man that's deaf and struggles to speak, he is the Messiah. He's the one you've been waiting for. He's the one that cracks everything open. Why does this matter to us? I mean, why do we care to read this strange prophetic messianic thing back in Isaiah on a Sunday morning when the sun is out in San Francisco in 2022? Romans 5 says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, if Jesus is the Messiah, if he is the fulfillment of Isaiah 35, which I believe is what Mark is trying to communicate to us, if he really is the Messiah, then he is the remover of all the obstacles. You see, up until this point, God was unreachable. He was behind laws and sacrifices and a moral code that nobody could really keep. No one could get that kind of access to God. Sin and shame and all the stuff that we do and that's attached to us, it got in the way, it created these obstacles we couldn't get to God. The marginalized, whether you were a woman or you were poor or oppressed, you were kind of kept at a distance, there wasn't access for you. But you see, when Jesus came and he stands in this moment and he's literally embodying Isaiah 35 right here, he made a way. You see, church, once we were a people with no access, but now we are a people of intimacy. This is what Jesus came to do. This is what Mark is like highlighting in his scripture. He says, don't miss this. Don't miss the fact that he's the way maker. Don't miss the fact that he has cleared every obstacle. But here's the problem. We keep picking back up those obstacles and we just keep putting them back in the place. Us and God. We say our sin, it's too much. My past, it's too much. What's happened to me, the way that I am, it's too much. We pick it up, we put it back between us and God. The shame, that we struggle with. We're stuck in cycles we can't get out of. Addictions, self-hatred, doing stuff we don't wanna do. We feel bad about it. We think I'm a leader. I shouldn't be struggling with this. 
This has been going on so long. I should be over this. We pick it up. We put it back between us and God. The lies that we believe, I'm not enough. It's for everybody else. That pouring out of the Spirit's for everyone else. That hearing God's voice thing, it's for everyone else. It's not for me. Pick up the lie, we put it back. And then we have this massive wall between us and God. But here's the thing, church. God didn't put those obstacles there. We did. Because he's the Messiah. He's the waymaker. He's the Isaiah 35 fulfillment. And everything about that is opening, cracking open, breakthrough, making a way. But we are stuck. And then we look at our wall and we say, see God, you don't love me. I don't care about you. You don't show up for me. And all the time, Jesus wants to take us aside like he did with that deaf man, away from the crowd, away from the noise. And he wants to look at us and he wants to speak over our life and over our sin and over our shame. Be opened. It's open. The way to me is open. Access, connection, See, nothing has changed. Jesus is still in the business of making a way. Making a way back to God. What's getting between you and God today? What's the thing that we've just picked up and just put between us and God and said, this, this is the thing, this thing that happened, this is between us now. This sin that I've been carrying, this past, this story, this lie, this, this is between us now. What is the thing that's getting between you and God? Where are you stuck? What about your life feels stagnant? Where do you need to see movement? Because here's the thing, church. Jesus is the one that makes the way. There's nothing that can get between you and God. Like he literally has cleared a path for us. Access back to Jesus, access back to the Father. You see, I've got a sense this morning that there are some things we need to repent of, some things that we have just been putting between us and God and saying, God, you see, it's you, you're so distant, but all the time Jesus is calling to us and saying, I made a way. I came so we could have access. And there may be a space for some of us this morning to say, God, I'm sorry, I keep putting the obstacles back in. Some of us, it's control. I wanna be in control of my life. So we keep putting the obstacle back in. Here's the other thing about why this moment is so powerful. See, if Jesus is the Messiah, and I think he is, then the words be opened are for all of us. I was sitting in my living room preparing this week. I'm gonna try and articulate to you what happened I was sitting in my living room and I was thinking about this scripture and about this moment with Jesus and this man. And I began to imagine myself kind of in that scene, looking at Jesus, knowing that Jesus knows his mission. He knows what he came to do. Jesus knows his identity. He's like, I know who I am. Jesus knows that the words of God never come back void and he knows that time means nothing. See, and I want you to imagine with me this morning, Jesus in that space, I want you to imagine, because if that's all true, 
then the words that Jesus spoke were not just for one man. They were for every single one of us in this moment. Those words echo through generations. Those words echo into eternity. Those words are being spoken over us right now. You see, when Jesus said, be opened, it is not just for that one man. It is literally a declaration of healing. It's a victory cry. It's a breakthrough word. Jesus is putting the principalities and powers on notice. He's like, I know you had some free reign here. I know you've got some captives oppressed. I know you've got them convinced that God doesn't love them, but I'm here to tell you the way is now open. I'm here to break open. I'm here to set the captives free. I'm here to usher in a new era. See, everything that was once closed is open. Everything that was inaccessible is accessible. Everything that was unreachable is reachable. And church, everything that was impossible is possible. This is what it means when Jesus stands in that moment and he says, be opened, be opened. That man received and sat under the power of those words and so do we. What needs to be opened up in your life? I mean, what feels like it's a door that keeps slamming, it's something you just can't get through, it's something locked down. I mean, maybe it's your marriage that feels irreparable. Maybe it's that prayer request that you're like, God, I'm still waiting. Maybe it's that healing. Maybe it's that career move and you're just like, God, I I just, I can't, there's nothing I can do here. You're gonna have to move on my behalf. Well, here's the good news, we have a way maker. We have one that literally, he's the remover of obstacles. See, Mark wants you to not miss this moment. Don't minimize it. So often the disciples are, oh, we don't get it. Church, let's get it today. Let's get it. This is not just a historical story. This is for us. Mark wants you to know that if you have a dry and hopeless place, a barren and empty corner of your life that you have given up on, that is exactly where Jesus is going because he restores, he refreshes, he revives. Mark wants you to see that if you feel buried under anxiety and burdened by fear, that those Isaiah 35 words are for you. Do not be afraid, your God will come. Some of you need that word this morning. You are gripped by fear. You're facing something that just feels like, I'm just, I just don't know, I feel so alone in this. God wants you to hear this morning, do not be afraid, your God will come. Mark wants you to hear that if you have been blinded by unbelief or deafened by shame, that there is always a way forward, that Jesus is coming for you no matter how stuck you feel. And he wants you to know that if you're feeling the weight of the world on your shoulders this morning and the pressure all around you, maybe you just need a crack of hope or light, that you too can sit under the power of be opened this morning and experience the breakthrough power of Jesus. When we were in pre-service prayer this morning, I felt like the Holy Spirit brought a a story to mind and I really hope it's not too much information for you. But um, when I was in labor with my second child, um, 
I, I always had like long labors. My boys never wanted to come out. I was induced with both of my children and still then my body was like clinging on. They're like, give them more drugs. Like, let's get this thing out. And I'm like, yes, let's get this child out, right? And my, my boys were big. My, um, my second one came out literally like the size of a three-month-old. <laughs> literally. And so I remember this one point in labor where I don't know how, how many hours in and I was trying to get this child out. And I, it was like, somebody just get this child out of me. You know, like I just, it was just, he was stuck. And he was big and he was in a funky position. And it was just that moment where I just felt like giving up. I mean, I remember it. I turned to my husband, Brian, I was like, I cannot do this, babe. Can't get this child out. I'm done. And this morning when I was in prayer, I felt like the Holy Spirit took me back to that moment and said, there are some people here and you are birthing right now. You are birthing in the spirit. It's a vision, it's a word, it's maybe your own personal transformation. You're on the edge of something. You're about to see something come about and you are at this place where it feels like, I can't do it. I can't do it, I'm giving up, this is too hard and I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to speak over our community and to you individually, be opened. You can do this, the way is being cleared. You are gonna birth this thing. And praise God, my, my child is now eight. He's living his best life outside of my body, okay? <laughs> outside of me, praise the Lord. But I get to observe him living that life, but I had to go through a moment where everything stalled, where everything came to a spot where I was like, I, there's no way forward. There's nothing here. And church, some of you are at that moment right now. You wanna give up. You wanna leave San Francisco. You're done with the city. You wanna stop praying that prayer because you've been praying it so long, it seems futile. You wanna stop asking for big things. You don't believe that relationship's gonna change. You're not sure if that child will ever overcome that struggle. You've got some places that feel hopeless and you feel powerless. But just like we read in Romans, Jesus is in this habit of doing things when we are powerless. Jesus is in the habit of meeting us exactly where we are and speaking the words, be opened. We're gonna move into a time of response. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come.